Good morning, Sardis Baptist Church. We're going to jump right in this morning. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. By now, this verse has become very familiar to many of us who have been gathering together for the last few months as we move through our series in Acts. We've seen that our mission as an organization from this verse is to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We've also come to understand that church is made up of individuals who are discipled within the church organization to carry out the mission of reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we also need to understand that godly church leaders are needed to lead the church to completing the mission that God, through Jesus Christ, has given it. We need, in our churches, godly leaders. The Bible clearly reveals that God has chosen and gifted certain men to shepherd His people into the mission that He has called the church to. As we look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and following, and He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to do what? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up of the body of Christ. Until we attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. God has given us church leaders. He has also given these leaders authority to guide the church in fulfilling its mission. Obey your church leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pastors, God's chosen church leaders are truly a gift from God. We've all had the privilege of watching Pastor Adam grow into one of these gifted leaders. We've all been blessed to be under his teaching and preaching, and we have all been blessed to have his family be with his church body for five plus years. As most of you know, this morning will be the last Sunday that Pastor Adam and his family will be here. And as you also know, we have already started looking for a man to fill his position. And that is why we have been working and diligently looking at what the Bible says on Wednesday nights to learn what a man of God, a pastor is supposed to be, what he's supposed to look like to lead God's church. And what has been very, very interesting to me is that in God's providence, He has made sure that we are here in this chapter of Acts. Last week and this week, we didn't plan that. By God's providence, we ended up here. It is in Acts chapter 20 where we find God helping us understand even more about His blueprint for His church leaders. And last week in chapter 20 verses 17 through 25, God gave us a window through which we could see into the heart of a man whom God has chosen to be one of His pastors. And I asked all of us to seriously pray over the next number of weeks that God would send us a man whose heart looked like that. This morning, we'll be looking at the last part of chapter 20 where Paul gives the Ephesian pastors his final charge. Paul knows he will never see these men again, 
And he ensures that they grasp what they, as God's chosen shepherds, must do and must become to be a good shepherd for his church. Our passage this morning is important for all of us here this morning. It is important because it speaks directly to me as a pastor. It's important because it is the charge that I will soon be giving Pastor Adam. And it's important because it will give each of you even more insight into the man that we are looking to to come and be our new associate pastor. So I'd like you all to join with me by standing and turning to Acts chapter 20 and follow along as I read. Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 25. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I've gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. And therefore I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God which He ordained with His own blood. I know that after my departure fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. And therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend to you, you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up to, and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Let's pray. Father God, we bow before you this morning and we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have brought us to this passage this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the strength that you give us to examine your words and to look at your words. And Father, I pray that more than anything else, you would uh, help us to come to know you better that, you, that we would come to know what a man of God looks like that you have chosen to become a pastor. And Father God, I pray that Pastor Adam would take this charge seriously, understanding what he is getting ready to do. In Christ's name, amen. I do want to set the stage here very quickly. Paul has laid the foundation earlier in chapter 20 for the charge to, this charge to the Ephesian elders by summarizing his own pastoral ministry in Ephesus. His summary that we saw, like we saw last week, reveals a pastor's heart. It must be a humble heart, a tender heart. It must be a heart that is passionate about preaching and a heart that is free from self-interest. His statement that he is innocent of the blood of all in verse 26 helps us see that Paul has been faithful in every aspect of his ministry. He has discipled the church and evangelized the lost, and he has admonished church members when they needed it. And now Paul moves on uh, to his final charge to the Ephesian elders as he prepares to leave them. This charge provides the main ministry priorities that God has given the men he has chosen to lead his church. And Adam, I'm going to plagiarize Paul this morning and give you the same charge as you begin to go and lead your own flock. As an almost old pastor, that's me, to a younger pastor, it is my heart's desire that you will heed this charge given to you by God through me. First, I charge you to strive always to guard your relationship with God. Look at the first part of chapter 20, verse 28. Chapter 20, verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves. Pay careful attention to yourselves. The first priority for anyone involved in spiritual leadership, especially a pastor, is to pay attention to their relationship with God. Effective church leadership always flows from a heart that has a deep, consistent, growing relationship with God. 
And there is great responsibility that comes with being a pastor. Often that responsibility is accompanied by tremendous pressure. Adam, you will never be able to be ready to face the responsibilities or the pressure of ministry if you are not right with God. God's shepherds must constantly guard their hearts. As I am warning you now, Paul warned a young pastor named Timothy in a similar way. Keep close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourselves and your hearers. He charges Timothy here to scrutinize his life and his doctrine because it was crucial to his own perseverance and to the salvation and perseverance of others. It was so important to Paul for Timothy to watch over himself that he pleads with Timothy again in his second letter to Timothy. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. Adam, never forget this. Personal holiness always precedes powerful spiritual leadership. Secondly, I charge you to pay careful attention to your flock. We see that in the last part of verse 28. He says, pay close attention to yourselves and to all the flock, and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Paul describes this shepherding with the word oversee. This word means to have guardianship over, to have watch care over those that God has given you as to shepherd. Adam, God has given you the responsibility to safeguard your flock from the dangers of this world. You are to lead them to safely lie down beside still waters as, the, as an under-shepherd to the great shepherd. And while they are lying down beside the still waters, you are on a hill guarding them, watching over them. Notice Paul points out that you are called to oversee all the flock. This doesn't mean you will have the same relationship with every person in the church, but it does mean you are to oversee every person who is a member of your flock. You are to oversee the ones that like you and the ones that hate you. You are to oversee the ones who struggle in their walks and the ones who are spiritual giants. You are to oversee the young and the old. However, there is a group of people in your flock that you have been given special guardianship over, and that group of people is your family. Yes, they are part of your flock, but there is a special care you are to give them as a husband and a father. You are to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And the two of you together are to shepherd your kids into the gospel of Jesus Christ. Never let the flock God has made you overseer of to cause you to neglect your family. Paul is clear in his letter to Timothy that you cannot care for your flock well if you do not care for your family well first. He must manage the pastor, his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he ever care for the flock of God? Also notice that you are to pay careful attention to the flock. The Holy Spirit has made you overseer of. Peter helps us understand what Paul is saying here when he says uh, that you are to pay careful attention to. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5, So I exhort elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight 
not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Jesus Christ, which we find is the chief shepherd in verse 4 of that passage. He has taken his flock and divided it into many flocks. And we see in our passage that he has taken it and divided it. And it says, the shepherd of the flock that is among you. And he says, over those who are in your charge in verse 3. Adam, God has given you charge over those who belong to the church he has called you to. He has given you guardianship over that specific flock. Don't allow your shepherd's heart to become distracted from that flock. Yes, be an example to your flock and reach out to every person in the city of Ashdown with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But take care to never feel as if you are responsible to oversee anyone except those who God has put in your charge. What is the most important aspect of overseeing your flock? Look at verse 28 with me again, please. Verse 28, to care, it says in the last part of the sentence there, to care for the church of God, to care. The question is, what does care mean? Sometimes we have this idea that it's just a general care, but in the Greek, that word care is more focused on actually feeding the flock, not just general care. And he says, pay attention to that you take care, that you feed the flock. The most important part of your overseeing your flock is to ensure that they are regularly fed the Word of God. It is God's Word that will give them the strength to walk the paths you lead them down as you act as their shepherd. It is God's Word that will nourish their hearts and minds to stand strong against the poisonous weeds that the world will constantly want to offer them. Paul also reveals what motivates you to guard your flock. And that's the last part of verse 28. To care for the church of God which he obtained with his blood. What is the motive? The flock you have been placed in charge of, Adam, belongs to Christ, not you. Jesus purchased your flock with his blood. He died to save them from their sins so they could could become part of his flock. You've experienced that same salvation from your sins and you know how precious it is. He has given those precious people to you to shepherd them as he would shepherd them. And your salvation is what motivates you to guard your flock as he would guard those he gave his life for. Adam, guard your flock as a shepherd stands on the hill watching over his flock as they feed peacefully in the valley below, always being aware of the dangers that surround them each and every day. However, most of us know guarding our flocks as a pastor may not always be enough. There are times when you will have to protect your flock. And that's what we find in verses 29 through 31. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. It is not always enough for a faithful shepherd to guard his flock. But he also must come down off that hill when the predators encroach and to stand between the flock and the predators. We can't just be vigilant watching over the hill as pastors. We have to be willing to sacrifice our lives for our flock, to stand in between what the world wants our flock to be and what God wants our flock to be. Adam, that is what God has called you to. Paul had no doubt false teachers would come and threaten the Ephesian church. They had already infiltrated the churches at Corinth and at Galatia, and Paul knew it was coming to Ephesus. Adam, don't ever forget that even while you are diligently walking over your flock, there will be always be predators. 
And we understand from this verse, if you look at those verses again, verse 29, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you. First, predators will come from the outside. The more that a church grows, the more that your flock is strengthened through the word of God and through your care, the more that Satan is going to want people to come within that, into that church and distract it and to destroy it and to divide it. We also understand, verse 30, and from among your own selves, predators will also come from within the flock. People who are members of the church. People who say that they care for the church, but what they care for is more about them than what God has given us to care for. And so, Adam, you need to be ready to stand between your flock and those who would destroy it. Even after very pointed warning, we find that the Ephesian church did not listen and that men, false teachers, arose within the church. If we look at 1 Timothy chapter, three, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, and as I urged you when I was going, this is Paul talking to Timothy, and when I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus so that you may chal- uh, charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which uh, promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. Even with the warning, there were still men who came up within the church, specifically the elders, some of the elders that Paul was talking to on the beach they were now standing. And we find also that this just wasn't with Ephesus. We find that Jude talks about the same thing, in Jude, we see this, beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about, some common sal- about our common salvation, Jude wanted to, to, to celebrate salvation with the people he's writing to. I found it necessary to write appealing you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into sensuality and denying our only master the Lord and Lord Jesus Christ. And he, said, he tells, Jude says, I need to contend, and Adam, you and I need to contend for the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to contend for the veracity of the word of God. We need to contend with everything that would threaten to devour our flock. And that is what God has given you to do now, to contend for your flock. Adam, be an alert shepherd, always ready to protect your flock from false teaching. Let the word of God be your weapon. Let the word of God be your strength as you protect your flock. And now I finish this charge as Paul finished his. I give you and your family to God to do with as he pleases, as he sends you to shepherd your own flock. And as Paul says, I now commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all who are sanctified. It is never easy to submit to God's plan to move a shepherd from one flock to another. Notice that in these verses, in verses 36 through 36, 37, drop down there, please, with me. Verse 36. And when he said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all, and they embraced Paul and kissed him. And being sorrowful, most of all, because the word had been spoken, that they would not see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. Fortunately, we don't have to accompany Adam to the ship. As I said, it's never easy. There are tears here this morning, and there will be tears over the next few days because we will miss you. But even through those tears, it is our privilege to send you out as one of our own to make a difference in the lives of those you have been called to serve. We will always keep you in our hearts, in our prayers, 
We always be there if you need anything, and we will always love you. This charge I give to you. As we shed tears, let us not forget that we have the privilege of sending a godly man to be a godly pastor, and we get to share part of Sardis with a town who needs a godly pastor and a godly family. And so these tears are not in anger or bitterness. These tears are because we love you and we're going to miss you. But we are also excited about what God is getting ready to do in your life. Let's close in prayer this part of our service. Father God, we come to you right now with many tears. We come to you now with hearts that are heavy, knowing that Adam and his family are leaving us. We will miss them. But we also come to you, Father, knowing that you are taking from us and giving to another church. And Father, help us to rejoice that that church is getting such a wonderful family and a great man of God. Father, help us not to let the tears overshadow the joy of being able to have raised him in Christ as a pastor, to watch him mature, and to be excited about what you have for him in Ashdown. Father God, as we continue our service this morning, I pray that as we sing these songs, that they would be songs from the heart. They would be songs that lift you up and glorify your name. And Father, help us not to have heavy hearts that detract from your worship. In Christ's name, amen.